Hello and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I've decided to come out with more energy today. No, that's great. Yes. I hope people had their volume down for that <laughs> beautiful intro. This is the Unrationed Podcast. So, Tony Josh, before we do our wild moments for this episode, the, we we got our first email from a listener, and it was really in, encouraging, and I would like to read parts of it. So I'm going to do that, and then uh, we can respond accordingly. I want you to know how much I love this podcast. I look forward to listening to every episode, and every time I do, it seems to be something I need to hear myself and makes me think of my own experiences with such things. Episode three, where you talked about death, is still my absolute favorite. I have experimented with gender identity and expression many times in the past, all in a desire to find myself. While some have done so to find themselves within community, I found that doing so actually made me feel less authentic. Yet, when I took the time to find who I was for myself, that person of integrity began to shape itself. I recognized myself in the mirror, if that makes sense. I love that you describe the divine masculine and the divine feminine and how it dwells within everything. And in this, everyone can take something from this podcast. I think about my wild moments, the moments that are most freeing. I remember watching my dad work on his car when I was three, holding his flashlight for him, seeing the axle grease on his hands, and remembering how it reminded me of how I played in the dirt. Memories of fishing with my family, catching a fish, taking it off the hook, only to have its fins cut me. As a child, I was frightened. But as an adult, I look at acts like fishing as such a bonding experience between us and nature, life, and death. It's only fitting that the fish cut me as I cut it. I look at such situations with awe and reverence these days and a mutual respect. Right on. That's uh, woe to our second listener email. It, that's going to be tough to top. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, I I thought that was really encouraging. And well, yeah. What do you get? What I've had more time, I guess, to to think through this. What are your responses as you as you hear this? I still find myself difficult to listen to and i think that's probably always going to be the case um so it is encouraging to get positive feedback um that that people are finding what we're talking about to be genuine and interesting both those things are important um and uh what what avery was saying there about um thinking through things around masculinity, femininity, gender identity, um, and what all those things mean and how they play out in our lives in, in this uh, 2022, when it seems like the pace of change in how we're thinking about these things is insanely fast. Um, 
it that's the piece of that email that uh, really speaks to me as uh, heartening. That is that is something as as a three cis dudes, you know, with with wives and children um, who in a lot of ways look pretty conventional. Um, I know for me, I'm, I'm wanting to take this project on with the wilds in the woods and what healthy masculinity looks like uh, from an angle that honors and say engages with those questions our society is dealing with in, in an open, genuine way from our perspective as kind of in, in that respect fairly normal dudes. So I, I really appreciate that, Avery. Yeah. I mean, it's really amazing that you got that email. Um, one, so thank you for writing that and sharing it. That's pretty awesome. I think the things that stood out to me were two things. I love the comment, I recognize myself in the mirror. And that like, there's, there's two elements to it. One is it's okay to not recognize yourself in the mirror. I think all of us have been there. Um, I mean, I'm there like every other day. I'm like, am I really the man that I want to be? Um, and so I thought that was really, really touching thing that something about the podcast made them think about their perception of themselves when they look at in the mirror. So that's pretty cool. And the other thing too is just like the fact that they took the time to share stories about their own like childhood, like evoking those emotions or that time underneath the car holding the light, like that's incredible. Like I feel like I just learned a little bit about that person, which is really, really neat. So um yeah, I love it. So yeah, those two stories stood out to me too. The holding the flashlight the grease on the father's hands, uh, working with those hands on uh, the car. I mean, that's almost in my mind, an archetypal image of uh, the, the masculine, right? Like doing something productive that benefits other people in the family, but inviting, you know, the child to learn alongside and, and learning far more about life than how a car works in those situations typically uh and then the fish you know how fitting it is oh, that the yeah. fish cut me as i cut it was just there's there's a lot to be explored yeah. there which i think is is you know what they were saying in this in this response is these wild moments this podcast uh is an opportunity to reflect on those those things uh, from our own childhood and in our own lives. So thank you for the email. And I guess this would be our first request for more emails. If, <laughs> if somebody wants to share a story, we'd happily read it uh, on the podcast. You can send that to wilds and the woods, which is all spelled out at gmail.com. Uh, we'll get that. And we are thankful that people are listening to this <laughs> uh, it seems kind of crazy so okay that's a, a good segue into our wild moments uh, for the week josh what you got 
Yeah, so Jack, my four-year-old son, who I speak about quite a bit, it was his birthday this weekend. And two weekends ago, we went to the Great Sand Dunes and we went camping. And so my wife was talking to him this week and she's like, hey, you know, what do you want to do for your birthday? Do you want to do anything special? And he got all excited and he's like, I want to go camping. And so it was super neat that, you know, things that we love, we're able to share with him. Um, and he's, you know, ideally starting to enjoy them as well. So we went camping on Saturday night um, and it was great. He started acting like a rattlesnake. He said, I want to be a rattlesnake. <laughs> and he literally just started slithering in the sand <laughs> and making hissing sounds. And it was just, it was awesome. And uh, my sister-in-law was there and she's like, yep. She's like, girls and boys are uh, a little different. She, you know, her daughter's like, absolutely amazing and adorable and stuff but you know she's not rolling around in the sand right now and uh, she's like yeah this is this is good preparation for if I ever have that um so yeah that was I think my wild moment my son acting like a rattlesnake out in the great outdoors Tony I got another kiddo story uh last night dinner time for the little man and he's sitting at the table. We've got double doors going out to the, the back deck. He said, look, a coyote. And I look out the window and sure enough, like we, we had seen a fox a few times. I think I mentioned it on a previous episode. And I said, like, this thing wasn't a fox. And I had not seen this animal before, but it, I was like, what is that? And I, texted with our neighbor and, and later on but as this thing had just kind of run across our backyard like it knew where it was going as it came out of the woods at one place where the where like one trail goes up and then it went across our yard and up into the woods at the other trail like we've got two trails going out um and i checked on it later sure enough it was i was is that a is it a coyote is it a wolf um and sure enough it was a coyote um and so my son picking that out immediately uh that's pretty wild to me because <laughs> when i looked out there i was like i'm not it almost looked like a little husky um in a way that i was unclear as to what i was looking at um it was also a nice reminder. I would have missed it. Uh, had he not said that this animal would have run across the backyard and just slid back into the woods with my back turned. And I just would have, I would have missed out. Makes me wonder, obviously, how many times that's happened. But that was pretty sweet. It's cool seeing the kids get that sense of, right? Uh, Two days ago, they were chasing baby snakes across the yard. Both, both of them, the eighteen-month-old and three-year-old. Yeah, like that's their relationship to nature at this point, where they're chasing the snakes. It's wild. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. So, my wild moment, I think, for the first time, is inside, not outside, and. My wife and I moved houses in October. We have a basement. And in October, we set 
a bunch of stuff in the basement uh not organized and it has sat in the same place for like seven months now uh, no longer than that 10 months now and so a portion of that was my tools and every time I've needed to hang a picture or do something around the house I get so frustrated and me getting frustrated and makes grace frustrated and it's just a whole ordeal because I can't find anything and I get so mad and so this past week we spent time in the basement organizing things I hung up some pegboard and I've got little hooks and I'm hanging my tools up on the wall and there is a restoration of order to the chaos there is a reorientation to tools literally that I use that I have been missing and that feeling of having the right tool for a certain situation and knowing where that tool is and being familiar with where that tool is like I told Grace I feel like I can breathe better like it, it, it that something in me opens or feels free knowing that my Phillips head screwdriver is on the pegboard next to four other Phillips head screwdrivers and I can pick the size I want <laughs> for the project I'm doing. And so there's like this reorientation, this reorder with my tools in the basement. That is my wild moment for the week. The great thing is my dad has always had, you know, a lot of tools and his dad gave him tools and everything. And uh, growing up, he had them pretty organized. Well, now he's got, you know, three sons and two sons-in-law. And he lends out tools. And so now he can't, he can't find them because it's not because he's not organized. It's because all of his damn tools are, you know, given out to a bunch of other people. So he's not getting frustrated, frustrated at a disorganization, but rather lending things out and generosity. So just wait till that chaos <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes uh which which is the inevitable thing that happens with the tools uh yeah. you know and i think we're speaking somewhat metaphorically with this as well uh oh, so yeah. he, like quite he's he's passing on tools to his sons and son-in-laws uh yeah Okay, so I've got a topic for this week. Both of your wild moments fit really well with it. I, I'm fighting back the urge to say, I wish my wild moment had to do with a wild animal, whether my son being a snake or a coyote. So I, I had this idea yesterday, running on the trails uh, by my house. It was like, we don't often... and maybe that's not even strong enough, rarely do we ever have the chance to touch a wild animal, like physically come in contact with an animal that is not tame. And I started, so what made me think of it was there was a turtle on the trail. It's like, oh, that's a wild animal that I can, I can actually engage with. But if you were just to be like, hey, Evan, go out in the woods and touch a wild animal that would be a challenge 
So I have thoughts on that, uh, like why that is. I don't necessarily have a, a question to pose to kick this off other than what comes to your mind whenever you think of touching a wild animal. I was telling this story the other day, actually at the campsite. Um, when my when I was in college, I went and stayed with my brother for a summer up in Alaska. He was stationed up there uh, in the Air Force. And so one weekend, we were going to go camping and bear hunting. I've never been hunting at all, really. And so we decided to go bear hunting. Anyways, it was more like camping with guns. We had like these big packs and, you know, we had bourbon and my brother's buddy wanted to bring a 12 pack of Diet Coke or Cherry Coke. It was, it was ridiculous. Like our packs were huge and all that. But anyways, we're, we're going in, we have these big packs on our back and I have this huge like gun strapped to my chest. If in the event we see a bear and a bear charges us. So anyways, this, we see a bear come onto the path that we're on maybe 50 yards away and this bear i don't know it was like a brown bear it stands up on its hind legs sniff the air and i'm just like oh look a bear like i didn't have a response of holy crap that is a bear that could eat us i need to get this gun out it was like hey i'm at the petting you know i'm at the zoo and there's this thing and you know so it runs off and like i've reflected on that moment a bunch of times and it's cool that I'm, i was like sharing it this weekend it's like how did I not pick up that this was a wild animal that could just devour me in a heartbeat? And it was like this bizarre situation that because I didn't spend enough time in the wild, I didn't appreciate the wildness in that animal. Like I can't go out and touch it. And that's a really, really good thing. But my initial response was no fear whatsoever. It was just like, hey, I'm at the zoo because that is my experience up until this point. Um, so it was kind of, fascinating to like think about that situation uh, but that's what comes to mind and that like if we don't spend time in the wilderness we think everything's tame but everything is not tame um, and we need to have you know we need to have a, a healthy relationship with that last week when you said like when tony makes those reactions and you don't know what you said to make that reaction i kind of just had that experience where tony yeah. kind of did <laughs> I wasn't even talking and I was questioning my thoughts. <laughs> you have a very impressive power over all of us. Yeah, and I I think I disagree with mm. the way you frame that. Is say is the the topic in a in a larger sense appears to be something around uh wild spaces versus our domesticated lives right how we how rarely as you were saying have an interact with wild creatures uh, since we spend so much of our time indoors um and it to me josh that creates an almost an opposite tendency which was let's say best personified in in my fear of sharks when I was growing up where uh, I grew up as you did in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, almost in the very center of the United States. It's, it's you got to go a long way to get to a place where there's a shark. Mm -hmm. Right. And growing up, I would actually be afraid of sharks in pools 
And this, this fear somehow persisted. I remember being, I want to say like nine and being in a pool and actually having a moment of that very visceral, almost terror where you stop and look behind you. Um, I wasn't like a little kid at this point, but I'm just feeling that fear that you're describing the lack of Josh. And, and when I, and I'll juxtapose that with, I took up scuba diving in Guam when I lived there for a year and you're in the Pacific. Um, there are large animals out there. And the first time I saw a shark, I was, I still had that fear of sharks, but the first time I saw one scuba diving, I swam toward the thing. And it was, it was a similar experience when this was maybe like a five foot reef shark. And I'd done enough research to know that the odds of getting eaten by a, a little reef shark are pretty remote. Um, so it was understanding the context and then being within it, entering into that wild space and, the, the idea of thresholds that Evan holds so dear, you, there's, it, I can't think of a better threshold than the one where you're in the boat and then you jump in and you go under and you are in a different world. The ocean is just a different world. But once you immerse yourself in there and you adjust to the rules of that place a little bit, yeah. then that fear just went away in a way that I did not understand. Frankly, I still don't entirely understand it, but I wonder whether in that environment where you know, like if, when you know that that's part of the deal, that there are brown bears out there and you very well, I mean, you're trying to see one, right? That yeah. then when that, when the bear presents itself, it's not unnatural or it's not, that bear is not in, infringing on your world in a way that causes fear or threatens you directly, right? Like when you see that bear at 50 yards, it's almost like all is right with the world, right? Like mm -hmm. you've gone out there, you're there, and the bear's just doing the bear's thing. So the bear goes up on his back legs, sniffs the air. Mm -hmm. it's, it's perfectly natural. And now if that bear came down and started running at you, my guess is that your <laughs> the lizard brain kicks in, right? Um, so yeah, I, I does that make any sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Like, so, should you should you have been afraid of that bear in that moment? I would say no. That you don't you don't that at that distance in that environment. I mean, it's still a bear. Like, I feel like there should be a healthy fear of it, though, right? <laughs> like, regardless of if it's, you know, just standing up on its hind legs and smelling the air. Well, you guys were hunting bears, right? You were actually the aggressors. You were going into that environment. You had a big gun on you. You were at a distance, and you were with two other men who knew how to handle guns, right? So, like, you were actually... Well, we weren't actually hunting yet. We were hiking into the campsite, then to go hunting. So, no, it, it makes a lot of sense. I, I see what you're saying. I mean, if you had been walking down the trail and you were just out hiking, I was in the or in the Smokies one time out for a run, and black bears scared the bleep out of me. 
mm-hmm. where I just hear this crashing in the woods. I freeze. And then I see this black bear climbing up a tree as fast as it can to get away from me. Mm-hmm. And I said, <laughs> oh, and I just turned around and I booked it as fast as I could mm-hmm. uh, for fear that there was maybe that was a baby bear and the mother bear was right there. Right. I like booked it as fast as I could. Right. Because there I wasn't trying to see a bear. Right. And I did not, I did not want to see a bear. I wasn't in a position to, to defend myself. Right. Um, so I, to me, there's that, the difference in stance and how we go into the wild that, that speaks it. Evan, are we just totally, have we gone totally off the, off the trail in this? Uh, no, not necessarily, but I, I do want to take us in a different direction with it. So there, there's, there's two, there's a distinction I, I, I think I'm trying to make with my question, which is, there's, I think there's a difference between seeing a wild animal and, and physically touching a wild animal. Can you think of any times in your lives where, where you've touched an animal that was not tame in any sort of way or, or domesticated? I like, I like the domestic versus wild there. So for me, I, I did go hunting when I was a, a kid with a friend of mine. Wasn't I didn't have a license myself, so I went with him and his dad. They uh, subsistence hunted like they, they he fed dad fed their family with with the meat that they got in their freezer took us out they both got a doe that morning and i drug a doe back to the car that was lifeless that was that was an interaction that was a touch i had with a a wild animal that same family uh we went duck hunting and i I carried a, a dead duck back to the car uh a turtle picked up on the side of the road and put in a box for olive one day like these are these are physical touches with uh wild animals and they there's so yeah i i have another thought but let me just ask the question first are there times when you've touched like physically touched a wild animal in your life my grandparents ranch my gramps was always like he always would see like tarantulas tarantulas mm-hmm. are big and they're like really hairy they're kind of creepy but anyways he would like reach down and like pick them up and you know offer it to all of us kids all the grandchildren to see if any of us would want to hold them and so i can like feel the tarantula like crawling on my arms and i remember like the first time i'm like putting it on my hand and like dropping it um you know just being freaked out by it um but yeah that's the thing that stands out tarantulas are weird that's a good one i tried holding a garter snake when i was maybe five years old and it bit me uh i did hold it for a little bit one of my neighbors had caught it and now that we've got garter snakes around, my father-in-law goes out and grabs them and just like walks around holding the, you know, they're maybe two foot harmless. Um, I'm not grabbing snakes around the property at this point, but that's, that's the main thing that comes to mind. 
I mean, these are the these are the this is more the direction I was I was thinking, which is there's like the reaction to drop the tarantula and the the reaction. I, I'm I'm curious to hear more about the story where you were holding the snake and it and it bit you. That it feels as though, and I may be attempting to take this too maybe thinking about this too much but a likely scenario with most things it seems as though coming in contact with a wild animal is rare and not so easy to do like you can't just walk out in the woods to do it there's there's a position there's a posture that one need take to uh, notice observe and approach a wild animal and i think the same tony i think you'll have some thoughts on this i think the same could be true with the wild man within us like how we approach a wild animal is how we approach our wildness within and sometimes i think coming in contact with that wildness within like we have that a similar reaction to like holding the the spider holding the tarantula or or holding the snake where we don't often come in contact with that wildness within and when we do we don't necessarily know what to do with it and so a part of becoming a healthy man is learning how to approach that wild and uh, engage with it in a way where we're not dropping the tarantula or getting bit by the spider or, or I'm sorry, getting bit by the snake. Is, is any of that making sense? I've thought yeah, about actually, this for like 12 to 15 hours now. <laughs> I, love it. I think it actually goes back to something Tony said in response to the story that I shared, but I, I do think like the posture that we take going into it and what we're we're expecting is is the thing right like we can be the aggressor we can be the observer something that's trying to interact or having nature come to us versus or the wild thing come to us versus us you know going to it so it does make a lot of sense and probably like the wild man within at different points in time we have to take different approaches to corral to nurture to embrace the wild man within so being accustomed to entering the wilderness with different postures is probably pretty important um you know so we don't drop or get spooked or run away from the wild thing i like where you've gone with this evan it's it's a really interesting question the where my mind goes is there's a distinction i would draw between wild animals and our own internal wild man that idea from iron john the book that we're we're so fond of and has guided what we're doing here which is to say for the vast majority of human history human beings were part of the larger environment humanity wasn't uh, totally separated from wild spaces, right? We, we might have your village or you might have your, or whatever it is, depending on your time and place, 
but there was interacting with wild spaces for almost all of human history has been a natural part of the deal. And even in that, there's a natural separation between human beings and wild animals, right? Like there seems like there's not, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think that that separation has always existed where, um, wild animals are not to be touched, right? It's just, uh, you know, there are, there are examples and actually you could probably rattle off a couple um, faster than I can, Evan, of like human beings who have become wild enough that the animals sort of come to them, like that sort of idea. But that's, it's a very peculiar <laughs> state of being where wild animals want to engage and actually come close enough. Uh, to being part of it. Whereas when I think about like, our own internal wildness, it, we've separated from that in a way that is unnatural. So it seems to me that the separation between us and wild animals is a perfectly natural one. Um, but the separation where we've gone from being human beings who are both communal and relational within our, our tribes or within our communities to being, um, but also being in touch with wildness and our own wild natures by virtue of, I mean, what you were just saying about subsistence hunting. I mean, historically that's just called hunting, right? Or it's called eat, feeding your family uh, where for us, that's a totally foreign idea. Um, that's an unnatural act in a way that to me is why uh, a big piece of why we're doing what we're doing. It's like, what do we do with that disconnect or that separation? Yes. I think you just drew the distinction that I was going to draw. Is I don't know that for, uh, I don't know that the separation between man and animal is man and and wild animal is as clear to me historically between humans and animals because there was a need. To, uh, if you were eating meat of of any sort, you likely were touching that animal at at some point or somebody close to you uh you were either hunting it or preparing it and there was there was a, a close relationship to that and i think we've even lost that just going to the grocery store and, and, and picking up whatever food we're eating and the, and the, that's you know obviously there's a, a portion of the population that aren't eating meat as well that that doesn't apply to um yeah I know we need to wrap this one up. I have questions for somebody who knows a lot more than me about the, that relationship uh, in the past. And I wonder what it would be like if our wild moments next week were us sharing stories where we 
touched or engaged with a wild animal uh, you know whatever degree but like what would it actually take to try like whether it be an ant or a turtle like you know like obviously something safe but to actually go and do that seems like a good practice in some way did you just give us an, a homework assignment to go out and touch a wild animal it's a living wild animal is that a, what you're a living wild animal unless you're hunting i do think you know in that case that would that would count i mean i, I it could be a dead wild wild animal too i just would be way more hesitant to touch a dead one than a living one if i didn't do the killing of it <laughs> All right, I'm in. Let's let's give it a shot. <laughs> Sounds good. Cool. Uh, there's also something in me. So this this year, I've made major headway in my fear of birds, like touching birds. We have chickens now, and I I touch birds way more often than I ever did before. And the same, I have the same fear of snakes. I think Tony, you kind of touched on this, and I think it's very primal and human. But I do, I would love to be able to hold a snake and not be afraid of that. And I have this like admiration of somebody who can just walk over, like your your father-in-law, you mentioned like this, to be able to walk over and pick up a snake. Uh, I have an admiration for that. I'll bring you a snake to Colorado for you. To <laughs> All right. Get one from under my deck. Sounds good. Yeah. Josh, you have any closing thoughts? I'm going back to my gramps and he's had to kill a bunch of rattlesnakes. And so like ending it where it began with like Jack sliding around, you know, on the ground as a rattlesnake and then sharing the story with my gramps. But yeah, just like hearing that, uh, that warning from a rattlesnake would be really terrifying, but then he's yeah. like, you know, had to cut off the tail and cut off the head of a rattlesnake. Just like he's out there, you know, he's in their territory and he's trying to live off the land um so yeah i think touching a rattlesnake would not be cool i will go with the ant approach i think <laughs> for my homework assignment uh just yesterday i actually watched one ant outside pulling another ant it was it looked like it was a dead ant like one was just pulling the other one along um Are you my sure son said else no, he was just pulling him across the across the porch, and my son said he was taking him back home. Huh. Wild, wild. Hashtag wild. <laughs> All right, this has been this is the Unrationed Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about wilds in the woods read some of our blog posts uh, you can do so at wildsandthewoods.com and what else is there wild 32 it's a 32 day awareness exercise that's the first time i've described it like that uh, but it seems accurate where we uh, are intentional with who we are as a community for 32 days if you want to join us for the next one you can sign up uh, to get notified on the website as well wildsandthewoods.com thank you for listening